Welcome to Ancient Heroes. I'm your host, Patrick Garvey, and today we're going to be talking about one of the most controversial subjects of ancient Greek mythology, which is the nature of the relationship between Achilles, the greatest hero of the Trojan War, and Patrocles, who was his closest companion, and according to some, his lover. Um, This is a question that has been being debated for thousands of years, really, at this point. Um, It was debated in ancient times in classical Greece, and it continues to be a source of controversy uh, in today's time when you see films like Troy come out in 2004 and cause a big stir in the way that they portray the relationship. So that mystery, that debate, is the subject for today's episode. But before we get into that question, I just want to say that Um, As many listeners know, I took somewhat of a hiatus for a few years since my last uh, episodes, and I was really encouraged and happy to see so many people tuning in for the episode I posted about a week or two ago with Andrew Chug about the tomb of Alexander the Great. Uh, It must be that people who had subscribed to the podcast had, had not unsubscribed over that time and had gotten that notification because right away I saw so many people listening. Um, uh, so that's really cool. I'm going to be more consistent about the show going forward. I'm lining up some great guests to talk about some of the big mysteries of ancient Greece, and then we'll move on to some other cultures and time periods and parts of the world. Uh, but I, I feel like for right now, there's still a lot we need to cover that I'm interested in when it comes to ancient Greece. And so we'll be talking to some guests and having some in-depth episodes. And then occasionally I'm just going to have some episodes like this where I take on a question that I'm interested in, that others are interested in, that I've been spending some time researching and writing about, and I just kind of walk through the evidence, give my thoughts, and just kind of have a conversation. So... Um, So, back to the question, Achilles and Patrocles, what was the deal with their relationship? So, a few days ago, I came across a question on Korah, and that's what really prompted me to do this episode. And the question was, what important parts of Greek myths do filmmakers always seem to get wrong? And there were a lot of different answers, but one of the most popular answers that had over 6,000 upvotes and so over 6,000 people basically gave a thumbs up on Cora to this answer. And by the way, I highly recommend Cora for a, it's a great wealth of knowledge and historical uh, facts and opinions and analysis from all kinds of people. Uh, if you're into history and you have any kind of question or want to hear different perspectives, it's a great place to go. But anyway, so This writer who wrote this answer um, said that one of the things that the filmmakers get wrong, in his opinion, is the relationship between Achilles and Patrocles. He's sure that Hollywood uh, refuses to show the true nature of their relationship, which he believes was a romantic same-sex relationship. And he sums up his, his feelings by saying, yes, Achilles is gay. And so that's kind of a definitive statement that many people seem to agree with. And, uh, you know, there was a time when I probably would have also given that a thumbs up. Uh, it seemed like 
Achilles and Patrocles must be lovers of some kind. That's what so many interpretations have led us to believe. And there's definitely a feeling in which, you know, mainstream Hollywood or certain groups might not be comfortable depicting that kind of relationship to a popular audience. And obviously there's been a lot of homophobia and and that kind of thing over hundreds and thousands of years. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of easy to fall into that, although I actually don't think that the idea that Achilles was definitely gay or that Achilles and Patrocles were definitely in a romantic or sexual relationship, I don't think that's uh, been determined at all. But let me give you an example of kind of what I'm talking about here. In an article about the 2004 film Troy in The Guardian, which is a British media outlet that I think has a pretty good reputation, um, a reviewer of the film writes, quote, It seems the Greek hero Achilles has undergone a radical straightening process, and I'm not talking about his hair anymore. No gods and no gay men. You've got to wonder why they bothered making a film about ancient Greece in the first place, end quote. So again, we have this kind of sense of certainty about what these myths are meant to portray, and there's kind of a feeling that anyone that isn't portraying Achilles and Patrocles as lovers must have some kind of ulterior motive or some reason to be uncomfortable with this. Um, or some reason why they're basically trying to cover it up uh, and, and put a different packaging on their relationship. And I'm not denying that that may have happened in some cases, but I don't think that you can jump to that conclusion so easily when you actually look at the ancient sources. So, so anyways, let's, uh, let's go back to the sources. Um, where to start? Well, the obvious place to start, the place that you have to start when you're talking about the mythology of Achilles and Patrocles is the Iliad. And this is the epic poem uh, that was written by Homer and that was based on oral tradition going back we don't know how long, but it described uh, the culture of the Mycenaeans and the Bronze Age of Greece, which goes back into the um, 1100s and 1200s BC, so many hundreds of years before classical Greece. And Homer uh, probably wrote the version of the Iliad that we're more or less familiar with today sometime in the 8th century BC, in the 700s. And all of the interpretations and versions of the mythology around Achilles and Patrocles is more or less derived from this. We don't have any. Um, we don't have any real solid mythology about Achilles and Patrocles that predates the Iliad, or that is nearly as comprehensive as the Iliad. And of course, the Iliad became one of, if not the most influential text in the ancient Greek world. And it's basically about the story of Achilles at Troy. He's the main subject. He's the main protagonist. And Patrocles is his closest friend. So that's where we have to start. And the important thing 
when you talk about Achilles and Patrocles from the standpoint of the Iliad, as it relates to this question at least, is that Homer does not explicitly refer to Achilles and Patrocles as lovers. That's very important because that seems to be lost sometimes. Um, uh, He never refers to them as lovers. So the most definitive, most comprehensive, oldest, most important source about Achilles mythology does not refer to them as lovers. And from the best that I can tell, he doesn't even imply that they are lovers. Um, That is what some people think. But when you actually look at the text... I think there's a simpler explanation for some of this. So anyways, you don't need to take my word for it. I'm going to talk about some of the moments between Achilles and Patrocles and some of the quotes that are commonly cited by those that say that they did have some kind of romantic or sexual relationship. Um, So right now I'm kind of walking through an article that I just published on ancientheroes.net about this subject. So if you're ever interested in hearing more or learning more about uh, these episodes of my podcast, I almost always have a corresponding article at ancientheroes.net that links to all the sources I talk about, links to all the information, and it's usually more in-depth because that's just the nature of you know, written text is you can go into more depth. So uh, if that's something you're ever interested in, check out ancientheroes.net. Um, so the first moment... Um, is one where Achilles expresses uh, that he wishes that all of the other soldiers, both on his side, on the Greek side, and the Trojan side, would die in order that he and Patrocles could conquer Troy by themselves. And so here we have evidence of how much Achilles valued Patrocles. You could argue that he valued Patrocles more than everyone else involved in the war combined. Um, And it's just, it's indisputable that Achilles and Patrocles had an incredibly close relationship and that Patrocles was the most valued person in Achilles' life. Now, the question is, does that mean that they were lovers? Does that mean that they were in a sexual relationship? And I don't necessarily think that it does. Um, Achilles was a rebel. Achilles had major problems with kings and with authority and with the world around him um, and with kind of the herd mentality that many people had. And so, you know, it's kind of, it goes along with his personality that he would have valued someone like Patrocles over everyone else. He had, he had some major issues with everyone else. Um, so I think that they clearly had an intimate relationship, an incredibly close relationship, but I don't see that that means that they were in a romantic or sexual relationship. Um, so later, after Patrocles is killed by Hector, um, Achilles reacts with incredibly intense sorrow and anger, and he even says that he has now lost his will to live until he is able to get revenge for the killing of Patrocles by killing Hector. So here are some of his words, quote, My dear comrades dead, Patrocles, the man I loved beyond all other comrades, loved as my own life, I've lost him, end quote. And that's from book 18 of the Iliad. And the translation I'm going with is the one by Robert Fagels, if anyone's interested. Um, So anyways, yes, he's talking about how he loves Patrocles, 
but he's also referring to Patrocles as his comrade, not as his partner, his lover, his boyfriend, etc., etc. So, you know, love is, I think we all know, love comes in many forms, and there's plenty of love beyond just sexual and romantic love. Later, after Patrocles was killed, he returns as a ghost and has one final conversation with Achilles. And he says, quote, A last request, grant it, please. Never bury my bones apart from yours, Achilles. Let them lie together. So now let a single urn, the gold two-handed urn your noble mother gave you, hold our bones together. End quote. And that's from book 23. So Patrocles requests that their bones be buried together. I think he knows that um, Achilles is destined to die soon because that's what the prophecy said. So, you know, again, this is a, this shows a level of intimacy. It shows a level of closeness. I don't know that it shows a level of anything beyond that an erotic situation. Later, Achilles holds an elaborate funeral ritual for Patrocles. Uh, where he burns his body at a pyre um, that they build, and he even places a lock of his own hair in the hands of in the hands of Patrocles before he burns his body. So another intimate moment. The soldiers around cry because of the sadness of the moment because they know the bond that Achilles and Patrocles had. Um, but okay, so you kind of get the picture here. I think. Um, Achilles is someone that has a lot of anger, fury, uh, bloodlust. He's capable of incredibly violent and horrible things. Um, But he has these very tender, intimate, emotional moments when it comes to Patrocles. Um, But again, you know, does that mean that they were lovers or does that mean that they had a brotherly relationship? Uh, I think I don't think so far what we've seen is definitive. Um, so I'm going to quote here a couple historians because I don't want you all to have to rely just on my perspective here. Gregory Nagy, who's for my book probably the world's leading authority on the Iliad and the textual meaning behind these um, ancient texts and myths, uh, he, and I believe he's at the Harvard Center for Hellenic Studies, but I'll have to double check that. But he's basically the top person in his field. Um, He writes that, quote, for Achilles, in his own ascending scale of affection as dramatized by the entire composition of the Iliad, the highest place must belong to Patrocles. Again, that's kind of a summary of what we've been talking about. Another historian and author, uh, Robin Lane Fox, who wrote a great biography of Alexander the Great, the one that was actually used by Oliver Stone, to inform them as they wrote uh, the film Alexander, which turned out to be maybe not as good. But the biography is one of the definitive, probably the most famous and best biography ever written about Alexander. Um, Robin Lane Fox uh, sums up the Achilles and Patrocles thing by saying, quote, there is certainly no evidence in the text of the Iliad that Achilles and Patrocles were lovers. So pretty straightforward and confirming what we've been talking about. So, the obvious question is, why have so many people come to the conclusion that they were lovers, if that's not what the Iliad actually said? Um, And before I get into that uh, answer, 
I just want to stop for a moment and make a recommendation. I'm trying to do more of recommendations for listeners because while I'm researching and listening to ancient history, um, I come across stuff that is just unbelievable, uh, unbelievably well done, interesting, whatever it may be. So I want to start offering more recommendations uh, to listeners who are interested in these subjects. And the recommendation for today is a podcast called Fall of Civilizations. It's by a guy named Paul Cooper, who I don't know much about. I think he's studying to get uh, maybe a PhD, uh, but he's becoming a historian slash archaeologist. And um, and this Fall of, Civiliza- Fall of Civilizations podcast is just phenomenal. It's incredibly well-produced. It's well-written. And it appears to be very well-researched and accurate. Um, it's really kind of like listening to a great story. The other night I went outdoors and listened to the second episode of the series about the collapse of the Bronze Age, which is something I'm going to be getting into more on the podcast later. And it's just, I mean, it it blew me away. Uh, He also covers a lot of other cultures and and histories, Uh, the collapse of the Mayans, the collapse of the Vikings, the collapse of the Aztecs. Uh, I think he does Rome. Um, so I think there's about 10 to 15 episodes out, and these are highly produced, you know, things with voice actors and, you know, uh, sound effects and stuff. And it's just, it's absolutely great. So check that out, Fall of Civilizations podcast by Paul Cooper. Um, and I don't, I don't know Paul Cooper. I have no, have had no contact with him. I just am making this recommendation. Um, so, okay, getting back to the subject at hand, Achilles and Patrocles. Why do so many people then read more into Homer than what he seemed to be saying? Well, the answer is pretty simple. Um, The Greeks of the 5th and 4th century BC, so this is a few hundred years after the Iliad was written, they did portray Achilles and Patrocles as lovers. They presented them as part of a pederastic relationship, which was a custom at their time in which an older male, usually in his 20s, formed a sexual relationship with a younger male, usually in his teens. Um, so this was a custom at their time that was uh, pretty strange, and we don't know everything about it or how widespread it actually was. It appears in some of the text. It may have been something primarily practiced by kind of the elite part of society uh, rather than uh, f- you know totally widespread, but it was something that apparently was going on. Um, and they portrayed Achilles and Patrocles through this lens of this custom that was popular during their time. Um, however, uh, one thing that's telling is even these classical Greek writers like Plato and Aeschylus and Xenophon and others didn't agree on how to make sense of Achilles and Patrocles, um, Let's see, Plato presents one version in his symposium, uh, while Aeschylus presents a totally different version in one of his lost plays called the Myrmidons. They couldn't decide on who was playing the role of the older partner and who should play the role of the younger partner. And they actually, you know, switched them up because they just couldn't quite make sense of it um, and, and make it fit with the way they wanted to present it. And meanwhile, uh, Xenophon um, didn't seem to be convinced at all that the two were even lovers. So 
you know, you're getting multiple different interpretations here. And I think it's pretty telling to me when you see this kind of confusion that they were projecting their own culture onto this myth that was give, that was passed down to them from Homer. Um, they were trying to kind of fit, uh, you know, a, a round peg into a square hole, so to speak. Uh, I think that's why the confusion was happening. It just didn't really make sense, um, you know, to try to do that. And that's not really what how Homer described their relationship. Uh, but again, that is how they portrayed them during this time period, this very influential time period in ancient Greece, when a lot of things were being written down and a lot of, you know, plays were being written and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, so all of a sudden you have this, um, burst of interpretations of Achilles and Patrocles where they're being presented as lovers. And this, this basically, uh, influences a lot of the later interpretations. Um, and as we go through history, uh, you see that um, cultures that were a little more liberal when it came to sexuality and a little more accepting of same-sex relationships among men, they tended to portray Achilles and Patrocles as lovers, while cultures that were less accepting of that, like, let's say, ancient Rome, um, they and, and also during some medieval in some medieval cultures, they portrayed them merely as close friends. So what you're seeing is uh, people are taking these myths and they're interpreting it through the lens of their own societies and their own customs, and they're projecting their own meanings and their own understandings of sexuality and relationships onto these myths. Um, So that's okay. That's something that's good about myths is they evolve and people can find the meaning that they need to find and they can interpret it through their own lives and their own cultures. But it's not necessarily what was portrayed by the earliest sources uh, in the Iliad. And, you know, so anyways, um, so what's the verdict? How do we make a decision here about whether Achilles and Patrocles were meant to be seen as lovers or just, uh, you know, close friends with a deep bond? Um, So here I just want to make a simple point that um, Achilles and Patrocles are mythological figures, not historical figures. Yes, it's possible that, you know, these figures are based on something historical. We know that there was a Troy. Many historians believe that the Trojan War really happened or was a series of events that inspired the Iliad. So sure, it's possible that these figures, there is some kind of original inspiration, uh, you know, with real people. But the Achilles and Patrocles that we know are mythological figures for all practical purposes. We have to look at it that way until, you know, new evidence comes to light at least. So when you're talking about mythological figures, it's kind of tricky to talk about some kind of absolute truth and to figure out what's really true when it comes to mythological figures. There's no answer that's absolutely true in the same, you know, from a historical standpoint, in the same way that, say, we know that the United States was founded in 1776. Um, You know, there's not that kind of factual basis when you're talking about fictional, mythological, evolving narratives over time. It's a little more abstract and open to interpretation. So, 
it kind of the final verdict kind of depends on how you approach the question. If when you ask were Achilles and Patrocles lovers, you're talking about the meaning intended behind the oldest and most comprehensive source we have, which is the Iliad, then the answer is no, they weren't lovers. That's my answer. It doesn't appear that they were lovers. Why wouldn't Homer have said that? Why wouldn't he have implied it in stronger terms? Um, why would he allow that to go unsaid and lead to so much speculation? Um, you know, unless we have a good reason for why he would have done that, then I'm left, you know, having to conclude that that really wasn't his intention most likely. Again, not certain, but most likely was not his intention. Um, you know, some believe that there are clues within the Iliad that he hoped that readers would pick up on and would put this puzzle together. And that's something that even the Greeks of classical times uh, asserted about Homer and the Iliad. But to me, that's a pretty big stretch. Uh, it feels a little bit like wishful thinking in some ways. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, if you're looking at the totality of the mythological tradition of Achilles and Patrocles, and you're looking at kind of how this narrative has evolved, and you're looking at this in a more holistic way, as we maybe we should look at mythological traditions, clearly there's a lot of precedent that depicts them as lovers. Um, precedent from the greatest some of the greatest minds in history. Um, when you look at it this way, why would one say that the interpretation or portrayal that Shakespeare, for instance, gives to Achilles and Patrocles, in which he did present them as lovers, why is that any less valid than Homer's interpretation um, or the Roman interpretation or whatever it may be? I mean, why, in other words, why is one, you know, when we're talking about fictional characters, essentially, why is any one interpretation considered more true than another? Um, so when you look at it like that, that uh, you know, myths evolve over time, and Homer's version is just one of the most important and earliest links in that chain. Then you know, it's it's you can kind of you can kind of uh, take the Achilles and Patrocles relationship to be what you want it to be. Um, so it depends on how you approach finding absolute truths within mythological traditions. Um, I also want to stop here to say it's worth noting that there are people out there that have better credentials than I do, that have spent more time studying this stuff, that come to a different conclusion than I do. Um, popular author and history expert Madeline Miller um, who I believe has a master's degree in classics from Brown University, and she spent over a decade adapting the Iliad into the award-winning novel The Song of Achilles, which I post a review of at ancientheroes.net. Um, this is one of my favorite books. It won the, let's see, the 2012 Orange Prize for Fiction. It was widely regarded as one of the great kind of historical novels of the year and probably one of the top ever written when it comes to ancient Greece, New York Times bestseller, etc. Um, in the Song of Achilles, uh, Achilles and Patrocles do have a sexual relationship that they start when they are teenagers. Um, and uh, I will read a quick excerpt here 
from this book. Quote, I was trembling, afraid to put, put him to flight. I did not know what to do, what he would like. I kissed his neck, the span of his chest, and tasted the salt. He seemed to swell beneath my touch, to ripen. He smelled like almonds and earth. He pressed against me, crushing my lips to wine. End quote. So that's an ex- excerpt from The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And again, this is a great book. I know that uh, Miller did everything she could to be true to these ancient sources. She worked on it for, like I said, I think over 10 years. And I think in an interview, she even said she had been working on it more or less her entire adult life. Um, in an interview, she was asked about how she came to the conclusion that Achilles and Patroclus were lovers. And here is her answer. She said, I stole it from Plato. The idea that Patrocles and Achilles were lovers is quite old. Many Greco-Roman authors read their relationship as a romantic one. It was a common and accepted interpretation in the ancient world. We even have a fragment from a lost tragedy of Aeschylus where Achilles speaks of his and Patrocles' frequent kisses. There's a lot of support for their relationship in the text of the Iliad itself, though Homer never makes it explicit. For me, the most compelling piece of evidence, aside from the depth of Achilles' grief, is how he grieves. Achilles refuses to burn Patroclus' body, insisting instead on keeping the corpse in his tent, where he constantly weeps and embraces it, despite the horrified reactions of those around him. That sense of physical devastation spoke deeply to me of a true and total intimacy between the two men. End quote. So the fragment that Miller uh, referred to, the lost fragment, is what I mentioned earlier by Aeschylus uh, in his lost play called The Myrmidons, which was written hundreds of years after the Iliad, but is one of the older sources that talks about Achilles and Patrocles. And again, uh, Miller admits that she took inspiration from these later sources and from Plato and others Um, And as far as, you know, the way that Achilles grieves in embracing the body of Patrocles, you know, again, I mean, this, I don't see any reason why uh, that necessarily means they were in a sexual or romantic relationship. I mean, they had a deep bond. They were incredibly close friends. Patrocles was the most important person in the world to Achilles, But all of those things can be true and it not be a romantic relationship. You know, I think some of this um, is related to how we look at relationships today. And I watched a good YouTube video analysis of this that I'll post in the article online. But um, in it, the, the person makes the point that, you know, different cultures value romantic love and friendship differently and they kind of maybe in our culture it's impossible to imagine you know having so much love and so much care for a friend rather than your wife or husband um but i think that's you know i don't think that's true for everyone and even though that might be a norm in modern america and western culture or maybe the world over i don't think that's true for everyone i don't think it's been true throughout time And there have been certainly cultures where friendships between men, especially soldiers and things like that, took precedence in many ways and were more had more emotional depth than the opposite sex relationships that they were involved in. So, again, I I don't think that uh, anything in Homer's words necessarily is trying to imply that there was a sexual relationship. 
Um, you know, it's we're trying to read between the lines here, but you know, it's it's a little bit of a stretch to me. Um, okay, so to def- to kind of argue against myself for a second, what is the best case that they were lovers? Well, clearly they had this incredibly close relationship, and I think one thing that we have to keep in mind is we don't know exactly what Homer wished us to believe. Um, you know, he did kind of open up this possibility for us to read in between the lines more. He never uh, ruled out the possibility that they were lovers. So from that standpoint, you know, people are kind of filling in some of the ambiguity that they're sensing with their own interpretation. Um uh, so, you know, he doesn't rule it out. Let's say that. There's also a lot that we don't know about the archaic age of Greece, which is when Homer wrote the Iliad, when the Iliad that was based on legends from the Bronze Age um, from hundreds of years earlier was passed down uh, and kind of achieved its final form in the 8th century BC. Um, we don't know much about that time period. So we're missing some of the context it may be possible that Homer uh, intended for us to feel that they were lovers. Maybe it wasn't appropriate at the time to explicitly talk about that kind of relationship, but everyone just kind of assumed that that's what was happening. I mean, that's certainly possible, um, but we don't know that because we don't know that much about that time period in Greece. There wasn't much written down that survived today. And uh, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a black box in that way. So uh, I think one thing we should think about is maybe the the classical Greeks, the Plato's and uh, other writers and playwrights like Aeschylus and Xenophon, maybe they knew something that we don't. Maybe they had a connection to this older culture in this archaic age, and they were kind of more in tune with that, and they had a better sense for what Homer was meant when he um when he wrote these things uh so that's plausible but again i you know i i think we're we're over complicating this a little bit and the confusion that they seem to have even in homer's words i think goes to show that you know they they were kind of stumbling around to try to interpret this through the lens of their own society so there you know if we got more context again there could be new evidence that uh, that makes this kind of tilt toward the stance that Achilles and Patrocles were lovers. Um, so where does that leave us? Uh, let's see. Although I don't think Homer intended us to view Achilles and Patrocles as lovers, that view doesn't directly contradict Homer's version either. So we go back to this sense of certainty that some people seem to have, um, And that's really what I find strange. Uh, I lean toward that they weren't lovers. I can understand why some people might lean that they were, um, although I disagree with that. I can understand that. What I totally don't understand is a sense of certainty really on either side. Um, that's, That's where I start to think that people are engaging in kind of a little bit of revisionism, a little bit of wishful thinking, projecting their you know, they're emotionally invested for whatever reason in, in believing one thing or another about Achilles and Patrocles, and they're kind of putting their own biases and their own emotional investment over the original sources that we have and over the best sources that we have. 
So that's my take on Achilles and Patrocles. Hope I didn't repeat myself too much, and I hope you found it interesting. If you want to do a deeper dive into any of this, any other questions you have about Achilles, Alexander the Great, the heroes of ancient Greece and the ancient world, you can do a deeper dive into all of this at ancientheroes.net. Um, I'd like to thank Derek Feischer for, for providing the music for this episode. And again, I'd like to thank everyone who's listening. Uh, it's really cool to jump back into things and see that so many people have stuck with me and are still listening to the show. So with that said, I'm going to sign off and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>